Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought-provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on-campus interviews, co-op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats, and tonight at my home are two wonderful, powerful women in tech, Sneha Raghavan and Emmy Burnett. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. So, want to have each of you tell us a little bit about your career journey, and as you know, our audience is all students, college students that are thinking about their transition to the work world, so we'd love to hear a little bit about your decision to go into your line of work and how that's evolved. So Emily, Emmy, why don't you start? Sure. So um, I am originally from Texas and I went to college there in Houston. And um, my career journey kind of starts with what I decided to major with there. Um, I have always loved math. So I decided to major in statistics, which was seemed like kind of the applied side of that math major and then minored in business and sociology. So when it came time to graduate, I decided to go to graduate school for analytics, which was a good blend, I thought, of those three things. So after grad school, I started working at Red Hat here in Raleigh downtown and have now been there for about three years. So I'm in the finance department. I am a data scientist there, do a lot of predictive analytics and other analyses. That's fantastic. So starting off loving math and going down that road of using those STEM skills and now successfully working at Red Hat. Thanks, Emmy. Sneha, tell us a little bit about you. I know you've got a couple years on Emmy. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. Um, I, I uh, have a little bit of a different journey. Um, I actually went to college for international relations. I went to a liberal arts school. I was very interested in history and my dad said, you can't just do history, you have to do something applied. So I took a lot of econ classes, and it makes sense to get a degree in IR. Um, and then I went to work in DC, and I was very interested in international development. I worked, um, did research for about three years after school uh, as a research assistant. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to try something totally different. Um, I wanted to see what private sector jobs were like. I was thinking about grad school, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I switched and worked at a marketing agency for a little more than a year. And that really sparked my interest in um, understanding a little bit more about how I can make a career out of data because I understood that that was a very valuable asset. Um, I was working on data skills, but I didn't really have any technical skills to be able to do it, um, to grow in that career. So that's when I went to grad school. Um, I went to grad school with Emmy. And then I also ended up working at Red Hat for a couple of years. 
And then after a few, after two years, I switched to my current workplace, which is um, a startup in downtown Raleigh. Thanks for sharing those journeys. So one of the interesting contrasts is taking some time before grad school and going straight into grad school. So I'd love it if you could maybe Sneha start off with, like you said, you didn't know if you'd go to grad school. And would you have any suggestions for students that maybe aren't sure? Is it better to work first and then go? And then maybe, Emma, you can talk about how you made your decision. Yeah, I think that we're in a time in the economy where a lot of jobs don't necessitate a graduate degree. So it kind of depends on the career that you're in and the industry that you're in. Obviously, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, you need that graduate degree to really get down that career path. So if you're sure, it kind of makes sense to jump in and do that. Um, but if you're unsure, and especially if you have a liberal arts degree like I did, um, it makes sense to see how you want to apply that degree in the real world. Because one thing I realized in school is um, I was always encouraged to think about what are you interested in? What types of problems do you want to work on? What areas of the world do you want to make better? And while those are really important questions, it didn't really prepare me for the day-to-day of like, how do you want to spend your day? Which at the end of the day, like that's what really gives you the job satisfaction. It's like, do you want to spend your day at a desk writing code? Or do you want to be in meetings with people? Do you want to solve problems? Do you want to think? Do you want to write? Those are the things that really drive job satisfaction. So I felt like as much as I really enjoyed working in international development, I really didn't like doing research and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't worked those few years. So I think with a liberal arts degree, especially, it does kind of sense to spend some time figuring out what skills you want to improve about yourself and how you want to contribute to the world around you. And then a graduate degree kind of makes sense. 100%. It sounds as though for you, you needed to test the waters a little bit and get out there and go, this isn't really as fulfilling as I thought it would be. And then that motivated you to go on to grad school. And Emmy, your journey was a little different. You were just like gung-ho right away. Let's get all this education done. Yes. Um, I think it was helpful for me since my degree was pretty similar to the graduate degree that I was doing. I still remembered a lot from college because I went straight into there and I remembered how to study. I was used to that student lifestyle, which I know a lot of people might have had a hard time transitioning from having an income to not having an income for a year or having the nights and weekends off to then having to study. So that was definitely a smooth transition. One thing I will say about the people in the graduate program like Sneha who had started a career before coming to grad school is they had so much to offer the younger students like me about um, teaching me how to be professional and what it's like in the workplace. And that mentorship from those students was really helpful, especially in our program, which was so professionally focused. It was just a 10-month program that was really geared toward bundling people into the industry. So I really liked how our class had a diverse mix of people who had work experience and people who didn't. That's that's great to have the contrast because there's pros and cons to each and you learned a lot from people that had work experience and I'm sure they saw some of the benefits of you being fresh out of your undergrad, not having to have a big adjustment to being back to the study mode. So let's talk about being a woman in tech. Both of you are rock stars, I think, and probably in a male-dominated field. And we'd love to hear a little bit, um, if you would start, Emmy, with some of your experiences and maybe some advice you have for women that will be entering tech. Sure. So I think I've had a, a relatively good experience so far as a woman in tech. 
um, I appreciate that my team is really diverse in terms of gender and um, most mostly really treats me the same as they would a man. Um, I, there is definitely some advice that I've learned over the last three years. Number one, everyone is faking it a little bit, so it's okay to kind of fake it till you make it and um, just learn things along the way, ask questions until you feel more confident in what you're doing. Um, another piece of advice I have is just around mentorship. And mentors, I feel like, don't even have to be somebody who is that much farther along in their career than you. I would say that the friends I've made at work, Sneha absolutely included, are are my biggest mentors and cheerleaders and friends all in one. We share in our successes at work, our successes in life, and we proofread each other's emails. And um, that is that I think it's important to be vulnerable with the people around you at work so that you can, um, you can have that type of mentorship. I think the mentorship is so important in having those those women to look up to, that sisterhood. And Sneha, what would you like to add to that? Because I know sometimes there's got to be some challenges. Yeah, I mean, 100% echo everything that Emmy said. Um, I wouldn't say that it's without challenges. I've been very lucky to be part of um, teams that are very supportive and have managers that are very supportive um, of being a woman in technology. But I think the challenges come from maybe not necessarily always seeing yourself represented, especially at really high levels of leadership. Um, I think that sometimes when you don't see yourself, it's hard for you to imagine a path from point A to point B, wherever that point B may be for you, you know. So around those types of issues, I think it's really important to um, seek out not just mentors in terms of people you know, but also inspiring stories or reading a lot about women who have overcome adversity um, so that you have this idea that it's not just a really, really rare um, event that's entirely based on luck, but there are a lot of things that you can do to control that outcome and change the world for other women like while you're, while you're getting there, right? So how can you as a woman make it better and more positive for the women around you um, while you're also creating the world that you want to live in 20 years from now. I think that's a really important thing. I like that a lot because there is this, I don't know if we call it a glass ceiling or just this notion that so many of the leaders are men. And how do you think we can overcome that as women? I think it's a, it's a tough question to answer because like, you know, they say if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always had, what you've always gotten. But it's like, you don't really know what can be done differently, both by you and by people around you to, to change the outcome. I think part of it is that the world is just changing around us, but also you don't want to take that for granted and just like, you know, assume that 20 years from now, we're going to have equal representation. Um, part of it, if you really like kind of whittle it down to the most micro things that you can do day to day, it's as simple as like, don't question yourself in the meeting. If you have a question, don't like bottle it in, make sure you ask it because you know, the men in the room aren't afraid to ask it. So if you don't ask it, then you're not going to get that question answered for yourself. So I think like it boils down to these really micro day-to-day -day things where if you're questioning yourself and you ask yourself like, is, am I questioning this because I'm a woman or am I questioning this 
really because it's a question that I have. I guess like pushing yourself in those borders of those areas really makes a difference. That's interesting. And, and not questioning yourself and not doubting yourself. And Emmy, I know you talked a little bit about something that you were really interested in, which was called glue work. I wonder if you could define that for our listeners and give a little advice in that arena. Sure. So Sneha actually introduced me to this concept. Um, it, and it really, it was the, the best article I read all year because it spoke so deeply to me and what I was doing in my work. So the definition of glue work is basically all the extra work that is outside of your job description that is needed to make the team function, but it's, it's, it's not really assigned to anyone. So examples of that are scheduling meeting, meetings, um, taking notes in the meeting, planning team events, onboarding new people, um, participating in interviews, things like that, that they are all important and they're very valuable, but they're not always valued in the team. So when I learned about this concept, I realized that I was doing so much of that in my day-to-day -day work that there was little room left for the quote unquote promotable work that was actually in my job description. And I think it's really easy for glue work to be divided unevenly among your team. And studies have shown that women tend to volunteer more often for that type of work, and they also tend to be asked to do that type of work more often. So anyway, when I learned about this type of work and really started, I just had a term for it, and I could start picking out where I was doing that. The, the next thing I did was have a conversation with my manager about it. I actually sent him the article, and we talked about it in our next one-on-one, -on -one, and that went really well. It went... Um, even better than I was anticipating. He was really receptive to it. And what we did then was talk about each glue work task that I had been taking on on the team and break them down into tasks that maybe I didn't need to practice anymore. I already knew how to send Google Calendar invites. I had been doing that you know, for the last couple of years. But um, others really are good training for leadership or things that maybe are a little bit outside of your comfort zone and and good opportunities to continue taking on. So we kind of broke it down into those two categories. And then now that he was aware of it as well, I have noticed him sometimes rotating those tasks among other members of the team and assigning them more proactively so that they are a little bit more even. So glue work is definitely something I wish I had known about when I first started my job so that I could be vigilant from the beginning about exactly how much of that I was volunteering for. That's so interesting. It's all these things, like you said, that aren't even in your job description, but you're doing, and how is that impacting your ability to advance within the organization? What do you think about that, Sneha? I, I think it's really important to um, elevate conversations like this to the consciousness of people in the organization. Even having a name for it, I think something like Blue Word. When I read it, I was like, oh, this has a name and other people also deal with it. And then there's an article about it that you can share with a friend in a different team or a different organization. And then before you know it, everyone's kind of talking about it, right? So especially if you work in a company like Pendo or like Red Hat, where there are, there is a culture where everyone is encouraged to kind of raise issues that make it hard for you to fit in or make it hard for you to feel comfortable at work. 
Um, it's important to hold your leadership and your management accountable for that. If you work in a company that has, whether it's like affinity groups or interest groups, that can be a great avenue for you to um, socially organize and talk about things and realize you're not the only one that struggles with that. Is there anything you'd like to add on that, Emmy, as far as like advice you would have for young women that are maybe finding themselves in this situation? How do you talk to your boss about that? That sounds a little bit scary. Yes, it definitely is. I think it was a little bit easier for me because I had already been working with my manager for several years and I felt comfortable being honest and upfront with him. And that is definitely something I had to work up towards. And I think when I first started my job, I never wanted to seem like I was complaining about anything because it's not really a complaint. It's more of feedback to make the team better. Um, but I, I never, just never wanted to come across that way. And I wanted to come across as very helpful and very agreeable and, you know, a great employee. <laughs> um, but I think Definitely. that it's, that's not really what a great employee is. If, if you just agree with everything that upper management has said, then that's, that's not why they're hiring you. They're hiring you for your perspective that you bring not only to the the work that you're doing, but to the team itself and the team culture and all of that. So I would just encourage anyone who is planning to have a difficult conversation with their boss like that, that it's, it's, you, you want to have it for a reason and it, it's, it's to improve the team and it's to help others around you to maybe think about it for others. If you don't want to think about it for your own sake and, yeah, that's that's a great perspective. I think just from the standpoint of paving the the road for other people and we talked earlier about growth and moving on into the higher positions. What is the way that either one of you kind of does that so that you have a chance maybe to get promotions and to see that you're recognized? I know <laughs> Well, I know you've had a few situations where you've gotten maybe a promotion since you graduated and what do you think are some of the reasons for that? Well, I think honestly, part of it is from that glue work that I took on. I don't think that is on every team that it's recognized, but I think that the work that I was doing maybe did show some initiative or some leadership capabilities. So I think that was definitely part of it. Um, it's also, I think, just important to ask for feedback from your managers and um, ask for the specific tasks that you need to have proven to be able to do to move on to that next level. So on our team, we have a really clear job matrix that says this level knows how to do this, this, and this. This next level knows how to do these more advanced things. So I spoke with my manager about each individual cell in the matrix and said, here's where I think I'm performing. Do you agree? And then we were able to have alignment there. So I think that was that was all helpful. helpful That's awesome. I think there's um, there's a few really important things that I didn't realize when I was like 22 and right out of school along this issue. The first of it being that um, you can do a great job at your current job and your managers or your company never really has an incentive to promote you unless you ask for it. Because... Um, not every company, no matter how advanced or how big or how established, 
has um, necessarily procedures for when someone reaches a certain level, we're going to give them the next promotion. We're going to give them the next promotion. I think in some industries that's more common if you work in banking or if you work in consulting where you're like level three and then two years and you get promoted to level four and then you get promoted to level five. But um, in a lot of industries, that's not the case. And I think data science is so new that that Emmy and I have both talked about this a lot where very clear job matrices um, are not as common. So sometimes the first thing I'll say is that you have to be really clear, no matter how scary it is, about advocating for yourself and articulating that you are interested in a promotion. So sometimes it's as simple as if you have an annual review process, great. Otherwise, schedule time with your manager on a regular basis and say, hey, I'm really interested a year from now, two years from now um, in seeing the next stage in my career. Um, don't just open it up to the manager and ask them, what do you think I should do to get there? Come in prepared with some ideas. Come in prepared with a list of things that you've accomplished that have affected the company's, either the company's bottom line or processes or culture in the last year or the last six months. Um, that's very hard to do if you're trying to prepare it a week before your review. So as you go through your job day to day, keep a brag sheet. That's something a manager told me about early on um, that I've found to be really good advice. Um, if you have stakeholders or internal customers that um, praise you or say like, thank you so much, you know, encourage them to CC your manager on those emails so they know a lot of the time the visibility issue is starkly different between men and women where women don't get acknowledgement for tasks because they're um, oftentimes those tasks are expected to be a, are an expectation for them. Whereas sometimes when men do them, it's seen as in above and beyond. Um, I don't, have like a study on this or anything, but I think that a lot of women will kind of agree with that. So it's important to get visibility for yourself is the first thing that I'll say. The second thing is that um, a lot of times promotions are not really a function of doing your job extremely well. It's a function of opportunity within the company or within the team. So beyond just doing a good job at your projects, it's important to think a little bit more strategically in terms of what does my team need right now? And in order to do that, you have to kind of be in conversations, be in the meetings, be in the rooms where people are talking about the bigger, more strategic conversations. So if you're on a finance data science team, for example, what are the problems that the larger finance team struggles with and how can data science solve for that? Kind of thinking along those lines will allow you to say, oh, oh hey, I have a great project idea that will actually solve for this. Um, and that doesn't just apply to data science. I think that applies to everything. Sometimes you're, as an individual contributor, you're not in the room where those conversations are happening. So in pushing to be in that room as much as possible can give you the perspective and the education to think about that and then do that. And then eventually you'll be asked to form a team to do that. And then you can hire people. And I think like people that can train themselves to think that bigger way beyond just the task that their manager hands them are the people that are successful and get put into leadership positions. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that. And I don't think I'm great at that yet, but I think I've realized that it's important to think that. So speaking of that perspective of years down the road, let's zoom into our time machine as we wrap up. And if we were in the year 2040, so we're going to go 20 years into the future, what advice, um, Sneha, if you'd kick it off, would you give to yourself today? This is so hard because um, I guess 20 years from now, I, you know, I hope to have a lot of professional experience under my belt in different industries, working in different types of teams. 
Um, and I guess it's just the sense of perspective, like not being so hard on myself when I either make mistakes in terms of something at work or I'm really overthink something that I said in a meeting. Um, I think just being kinder to myself and being more vulnerable about things I'm not confident about. I think sometimes it's hard for, for women to be vulnerable because we have this fear that it's perceived as weakness and maybe sometimes it will be, but I hope that in the long run that kind of washes out. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I trust that it will. I would rather live in a world where it does wash out than like Fantastic. I think my advice for myself be as bold as possible and take risks and just really go for whatever opportunity is in front of me or seems like kind of a reach and just continue to stretch and push myself and, and kind of in all aspects of career and of life. I think, I think that's probably what I would say. Two very wise women. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Marcy. NC State Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals. Stop by Pullen Hall to learn more. Thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats, and we hope to see you around campus. Have a packtacular day.